and welcome to Black Girls Rock. In this episode, I'm joined by absolute legends, Detaisha Harper and Shauna Brown. Hello, everybody. Hi. So for the listeners at home who may not be as familiar with you two, who are you? Hi, I'm Detaisha Harper and I'm 21 years old. I'm a student at Loughborough University. I have an England cap and in current training with England and I play loose head prop for Loughborough Lightning. So my name's Shauna Brown. I'm a tight head prop for Harlequins in England. I'm 30 years old. Started playing rugby five years ago. Um, and now, yeah, just having a great time. I'm one of the 28 professional females under England rugby at the moment. And just living my best life. Um, so how did you guys get into rugby? Gosh. Oh, am I going first? So I got into rugby, so I had a joke with my mum. And I was like, oh, well, my brother's play, so why can't I play? I was just messing about. And then the same week, she took me to the Eccles Rugby Union team. And I don't, like, I will never forget it because it was raining, like torrential rain. <laughs> and then never looked back since. And that was when I was 15 and I'm now 21. Uh, and then for me, it was just a course of, I just wanted something to do. So I was in athletics for a long time doing shop at Hammer and Discus, sort of fell out of love with that as such. And yeah, I was just looking for something else to do. I knew rugby existed and that was about the knowledge of my rugby. And I started, I went to my first rugby session at the age of 25 for my local club, Medway. And yeah, haven't haven't looked back since. When you first um, started playing rugby, how did you feel? Like, was it an environment that you felt like welcomed and felt like you belonged there straight away? Or is that a thing that had to take time to develop? So for me, it was, I guess I felt welcome in as much as like people said hello and people said goodbye. Like I was polite, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I felt a sense of belonging. I didn't feel like, oh, this is where I belong. It was just go say hello, play rugby, go home. Uh, and I, I just thought that's, like, I didn't know any different either. I didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, this is weird. I, I just thought that was normal. And it's only sort of since moving around, being around different people, different environments, I've realised that there is more of a sense of like a sense of family and a sense of team and a sense of togetherness that um, I didn't really sort of understand in the early days of rugby. And now I do it. I'm just grateful for, for the moments I get to spend with everyone at the moment. See, for me, it was quite different because I've been going to camp since I was 15. So we, we used to do like two week camps like a week camps or weekend camps. So for me, I've always felt like I belonged, but I think it depends on your personality as well. So I'm quite outgoing and open. So I just kind of go, oh, hi, what's your name? And just make friends everywhere I go. Yeah, she so. does, I can call her. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was quite easy to feel, feel like I belonged with um, other people. So surely you were saying that um, at first it wasn't as, um, you didn't get that sense of like belonging as much as you have now. Why do you yeah. think that was? Was it more like the kind of club or like the um, infrastructure that they had that obviously it's not as like good as what you're getting now? Like, what do you think it was that led to that feeling? I think it's, it's got to be a combination of things. So like Taish mentioned, her personality type like allows us to sort of be outgoing to anybody at any point and like she literally is the friendliest person you, you're ever going to meet and she just wants to make everyone happy whereas that's not my personality type I kind of 
I just get on with it. Um, like in my head, I've gone there to play. I've gone there to make friends. I've gone there to play rugby. So I've just played rugby and I've gone home. And because nobody steered me away from that mindset, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't for a while that, you know, you'd go on a go for drinks as a team or, or go out as a team. Like we didn't really do things that I remember in the early days as a team. And that might have been because they invited me and I just said no, I don't fancy it. Or it might have been because it wasn't invited it, just in terms of like me being new and that like, you know you're just trying to work people out still so there's no I would say it's always particularly nobody's fault it it's just the way it went it's a mixture of how my personality is a mixture of the setting like most people just go home after rugby now and some you speak to people who have played for years and they would always make an effort to sort of stay after training and um, and that would have been I guess an opportunity to bond etc outside of rugby but yeah, it's not, it's not something I would have wanted to do it in terms of like drinking straight after. And as I say, I'm not a big drinker. I don't particularly like going out raving. So again, that, that would kind of exclude me from, from things. Um, and it was just not a bad thing. It's just, it's me. It's my personality type. It's what I wanted to do in terms of, I went to a rugby club to play rugby. Like I didn't go to make friends as, as bad as that sounds, but I went to play rugby and that's what I did. And, and I enjoyed playing rugby. That's such an interesting um, mindset to have. Cause I think coming from, <laughs> like playing grassroots level and I'm like community level and I'm very much like I came to make friends and like rugby say like I can do a bit of that as well but yeah it's such an interesting um, way to look at it so um the kind of main thing we'll talk about this episode is kind of like Black History Month it's October it's Black History Month which is exciting um for I know Shauna you've been doing like I love your stories your Instagram stories recently and like highlighting all these like famous um, and like real pioneers, pioneering black people that have like paved the way for us that like are the unsung heroes in life. Do you feel that as a black sportswoman with a high profile in sports, you have to, you have to do that if that makes sense? I wouldn't say I feel like I have to do it, but I do feel obliged to do it. So I've only really just started getting into the sort of role of, of trying to influence and trying to affect people's way of thinking since the Black Lives Matter movement. And I've, I've been on a, a big journey myself personally of learning and reading a lot more, watching certain different documentaries and watching different films. And like I've, I've just got even more and more passionate about it. Um, one of one of my eye-opening ones, that, and is a reason why I feel like I still I need to continue it, is, is one of the first days of Black History Month. I just put out a poll about being a Rastafarian, um, and whether people realise it, it's a recognised religion, or whether people didn't, whether that they think that's just because it's a, a way of life, or maybe just a hairstyle. I don't know. But my poll was basically, did did, did you realise Rastafarianism is a recognised religion? And it was 50-50 to people not knowing. And in my head, I'm like, what? Like, how? How can you not know that? Um, so it it does surprise me how much people, how much things people don't know, um, which comes very second nature. Like for me, it is very, it's a very straightforward. Obviously, if you're a Rastafarian, it's part of a religion. But if you don't move around those circles, you don't know anybody who either has dreadlocks just as a um, sort of a social situation or whether they had dreadlocks as part of their religion if you don't know those type of people you're very unlikely to to look it up and like, there's a lot of stuff if, if you're not if you don't feel connected or involved with that subject you're not going to pay as much attention I think that's just human nature if you don't relate to something or someone or you're not around 
kind of person you're, you're not going to know a lot about it so I, I almost took for granted my knowledge of, of certain things and I just sort of assumed if I know it like can't be that difficult other people must know it so yeah I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying the feedback I get from it and the comments and how many teachers as well message me saying like I'm so glad you're doing this they're almost they, they say to me that they're a little bit embarrassed that they didn't know but it's now about moving forward and, and learning and, and opening the door to different types of learning. Tysh, you are slightly newer to the national rugby scene. Do you feel that there's pressure on you to have to educate others on issues such as race? Um, sometimes I do. I'm like, oh God, she's doing all this and I'm barely doing anything. But then um, when I talk to Shona, <clears throat> she like pulls me out of my shell a bit. And she's like, well, if you try doing this instead, like to educate them, and like just she tells me little steps what to do basically but sometimes I feel a bit of pressure because on our team there's like I think there's only two black people on our like whole 40 squad so it's like me or her that kind of has to take that role I think even like Tasha says I'm trying working with her to bring herself up more and to speak up more while still recognizing it is hard being one of the only persons of colour on a team and, and a lot of people not understanding and like when I speak to Tasha it's almost just a confidence thing it's just trying to get her like she'll say it to me and she's like oh Sean I'm so annoyed this happened today I say well just tell that person she's like well she might think I'm an idiot so so with Tasha's like my little project I'm just trying to trying to get her out and as she said she's such a personality and people people look up to her because she's just like she's just she's a great but people look up to her and they will listen to what she's saying. It's just Tash backing herself as well. I think, yeah, I agree. It's a big self-confidence thing as well. And it's hard to, do you think it's hard to actually say if some like little microaggressions or something has been a bit like, oh, that's not okay. Do you feel comfortable generally in like telling your teammates? Because as you said, like there are only, like it's a small collective of, um, people of colour and like it can feel at times like a bit suffocating do you feel comfortable like calling people out? Um, sometimes I feel comfortable but then other times I feel quite uncomfortable because it could be something so simple that then somebody can like be conflicted in that way and I really don't like confrontation <laughs> so then if they start like arguing and stuff I'm a bit like whoa <laughs> stop but I think a lot of people take things the wrong way. So sometimes you can say a little comment, which could be like, oh, why are we doing that? Because that could affect this person. And then they literally carry it on and then just dig a massive hole like when they don't need to. I think the key thing for me in terms of calling it out is finding the right time and situation um, and also judging how and why they've said what they said. So a classic one for me is being someone referring to me as coloured or half cast. And if we're just having a like a friendly conversation and they've just said, um, like Shauna, how is it? How do you feel being the only coloured person on the team? So straight away that, that conversation it is friendly, it's sort of positive vibe, it's a inquisitive, like this person wants to know what I've got to say. And the fact that they've used the term coloured, that they've, they've not done it maliciously. They've not done it to make me feel small. They've not done it to make me feel not wanted they just don't know so it's it's like picking it up and not not straight in the face like why how dare you call him colored but actually 
oh, just on that, I, I prefer to, to not be referred to as coloured. Like you can use person of ethnic minority, you can use person of colour, you can say mixed race and give them options. If someone says it in a group, for example, again, you have to assess the situation. Do I pull them up now straight away while we're in a group? Or actually, do I wait till the end and pull them up on the side about it? It's like, it, it, all the situations are different and, and how people use it are different. It's just learning as you grow older, as you mature emotionally, is learning how to pull people up on things and hopefully getting what you want out of it, which is for them to learn, essentially. That's true. I think, um, like you just said, then people calling you coloured. I've had a lot when my mum's turned up to rugby matches and they go, oh, your mum's white. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. <laughs> like they can't work it out. Like, yeah they're like so shocked and you're just like how, yeah and even that i think that's an education piece like how really and truly i'm even though i'm mixed race and my dad's black i am very very light-skinned like if there wasn't a white person in my family it would be a worry but it's just an association with mixed race must mean black therefore no white it but yeah it does also surprise me how people are a bit shocked when they see my mum and like she's white i mean she's not even blonde she's got brownish quite dark really but yeah, it, that again, knowledge, education, experience, not been exposed to it before. What a world some people live in. Sometimes it gets tiring. So like sim simple things about like, when I came into the England squad, Shauna had Afro hair, but because I also had Afro hair, I knew how to plait her. And then <laughs> little things like that. Obviously when I'm not in camp, like she struggled to get her hair done. <laughs> so, so then I just became like a personal hairdresser. <laughs> Like you, you almost become the go-to person or, or the beacon. And I certainly don't speak on behalf of all black people. I certainly don't speak on behalf of all black women, mixed race. Like that's not, it's not my job. It's not what I want to do. I, I express my personal thoughts and situations. And if, especially if somebody's coming to me, asking me a question, I'll give them a, a frank and honest answer. But at the same time, I still have to recognize I am one of only two in the sort of paid 28 under the RFU because um, Taisha isn't fully contracted. So of the 28, it's just myself and Langi Tuima. Um, and again, Langi is still growing in herself and like we can have chats, me and her, and we'll have, like, we'll have good talks and relatable talks. And I'll say to her, like, why do you, you don't say this out loud? She's again, she just doesn't want to sort of have too much conflict. The same sit similar to Taisha and, it's almost a self-confidence thing. She just wants to get on with it. But the more I'm talking to her, I'm, like I'm hoping I'm empowering her to talk more in it. And it seems to be going the right way. But it, yeah, it is tiring. But recognising that there's not many of us. So somebody's got to, somebody's got to sing a good word. Um, and I'm happy at the moment to do it. I'm hoping that it, it has an effect and, and more people of an ethnic minority start to play rugby. More people start playing grassroots. More people join a community game as an adult. <laughs> And come from the system. I do you think rugby is a safe space for black people in terms of coming to play as someone that probably hasn't ever played before and trying to get up the ranks? Do you think it's a space that black people can thrive and do well in or are there still the barriers? Because I know the RFU is putting in work to um, diversify its diversify the game but do you personally feel that it's a safe space see a lot of it I, I would say is to do with personality type 
um, and what a safe space is to me might be a different safe space to Taish, might be a different safe space to you, Anne. Is it a safe space? I don't, I don't know is the honest answer to that. I, yeah, I don't know because it, it is hard being the only one who looks like you. So I, I coach a, a team of under 12s on a Sunday and like it will be my nephews are the only one that's a darker skin. And I, they're only young. I, I'm not going to talk to them about it now. I don't want to bring attention to it at this age. But I do wonder if they sort of realise that um, and how it makes them feel, if anything. But then even because of where we live, I don't live in London, like I live in Kent. So again, we're used to being the only family of colour and like even our own family situation. So I'm brought up a lot around my white family. Um, we're the only sort of mixed race family, white family. And so we're talking about role models and needing somebody to look like you and, and the can't see, can't be. For me, I didn't necessarily need that because I've always been brought up by my mum to just go out and do things, mainly because it got me out of the house. And yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm very lucky growing up in a family around the mum who's very much let me and wanted me to go out and do things and not necessarily waiting to be told but if it was free I was there and it's essentially free childcare for her which is great because I was always active and, and I think Taish's mum was the same in terms of just letting her go out and do what she wants what, what do you think Taish? Uh, yeah I think the same as Shauna so like if my mum wasn't one that said oh Taish like go out your comfort zone and do this and do that then I'd probably still like be on my estate, <laughs> just bopping about the streets, playing out with the same people. But then another thing about your question, does it make you feel like you're in a safe space? I think in my experience, it makes me feel like a bit of a safe space more than others. So when I used to watch my little brothers play rugby on like a Sunday, sometimes you experience them like getting called names, you know, if they scored a try and stuff because like they're the only black one on the team. So then the opposition just starts calling them names and stuff. And then I was a bit like, whoa, I hope I don't get that. But then sometimes it makes you think, oh, do you actually want to put yourself in that environment if that's like the hatred you're going to get from it? You were saying, Taish, that your journey into rugby was, you saw your brothers playing and you wanted to play as well. Um, how come it wasn't like, so like, your parents didn't just be like, oh, you're going to play rugby, maybe the same way that your brothers did. Was it something that they had access to in school or was it just something that was never targeted to you? So my older brother, I think he started it when he was in high school and then obviously my mum just kept taking him, but then he kept switching between that and football and then he kind of settled into rugby and then my other little brother then started playing rugby league but at that time, there was like not really many girls' teams around, especially like in Manchester. There was like no girls' teams at all. But then luckily, there was a link between a rugby union club and the rugby league club. So then my mum said, oh, I'll see if they do a girls' team. And then literally, we had about eight people on the team. So we were training for like two years. But then every Sunday, the match would get cancelled because we had like we didn't have enough people. Uh, it was really frustrating because... You know, like when you train and you don't see the point in training if you're not going to like see the effects of it. I'm quite a person like like in the gym, if I'm doing a lift, I need to know why I'm doing it and what it, like the result's going to be in a rugby match or like rugby training. And if I can't see it, then I struggle to like do it to the best of my capabilities, basically. <laughs> Whereas that, I gave up with team sport. <laughs> <laughs> initially because I would always be playing football and I would always be in the cage with the boys and be the only girl playing football 
and then you get to an age, I think, is it 12, 13? You can't actually play officially play with yeah. a boy anymore. <laughs> so then I, we had to sort of try and have a girls team at school, me and one other girl, and that some of them would just be forced there and so like, you don't want to force people to play, don't want to be there. And mum tried to take me to a local girls club and again, there weren't a lot of girls there so you couldn't actually play games. And I was like, well, I'm not involved. I'm not holding myself back for, the, for everyone else. So I went and had an individual sport instead. <laughs> it's, well, I do like that, that it's just kind of like, I, I'm not, I know, I completely agree. When it's like, not everyone's heart is in it. It's not the same at all. And... Yeah, I think it's re- like different for me because you guys have started playing. Did you? You guys played yesterday. Yeah. 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 Well done. <laughs> I'm like, obviously, we're not playing yet, and I don't think we're going to play till January, probably not even January. So it's weird for me going to training, and I was just like, this is nice, but also I'm not going to use this anytime soon, which is a shame. And as a forward as well, um, ready for rugby stuff, isn't maybe targeted. For- <laughs> <laughs> So it's just kind of like, oh, this is like not what I want to do, but it's really frustrating because I want to be here, but also I just want to tackle people and smash them. Do you see England team becoming more diverse? I think short answer is yes, it has to, because we need people to play the game, to grow the game. And so like more, the more people like Taish and myself are out there being public, uh, being mixed race, being a bit different, sounding a bit different, maybe not going to the, the, the grammar schools and the private schools, the more people hopefully are, are going to play rugby. And just as there, even just look at the population growth, like more and more people in terms of becoming mixed or, or just a mixture of different races, like it, it, ha- it has to improve naturally anyway, but the natural improvement would be a, a very slow rate and, and for me it'd be too slow. So that's why we then have to go out and sort of, action it and encourage that target which schools we're going in for the community game target which estates we're going to go and have open days like target the areas rather than just hoping oh yeah we're really open club like we encourage anyone to come here rather than just saying that actually make an effort do some research find out the local community where the different minorities are and go there like go there as a club go there as an individual it has to, it has to be targeted, but yeah, I think it would happen naturally, but too 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 slowly. So it'd be about targeted action. So I think if we want like a faster rate of people and to find people from ethnic minority backgrounds, we'd need a bit of funding as well. So it sounds stupid, but um, you have to pay subs, and if you can't pay to like if you can't pay to train, then you can't pay to play either on a Sunday. So for when I was growing up, no matter pay for me and then my three brothers as well. So that's four people's subs every month that she had to fork out. And if she didn't have the money, some coaches were lucky, like my coaches were lucky and they'd be like, oh, Tyche, like, we'll pay for you, don't worry about it. From other coaches, like, probably with a bigger squad, richer people, doesn't matter how good you are, but if you can't pay, then you can't play. Before the pandemic, if there wasn't really any funding now, we're definitely not probably going to get anything for another 10 years. <laughs> whilst we're getting back out of it do you think in your lifetime there will ever be a majority black like squad for England (laughs) I'm gonna put it out there and say no (laughs) (laughs) I'll just go as far as to say not a chance (laughs) 
Um, we, I mean, we get it in football, men's football. I'm not even when I think women's football. I think that's quite. I think that's quite white. Uh, don't quote me on that. But you, men's football is is incredibly diverse. Partly to do with because it's such a global game, whereas rugby itself is not as global as football. Um, but yeah, I mean, a short answer would be no. I don't. I don't think you'd have a majority black English women's team. The men are a lot closer. I think their their 2015 World Cup squad was 30% of ethnic minority, which is a great number. But is it filtered down into the community and grassroots game? No. Um, so it's yeah. The the hope is there, and eventually, I'd like to think we just have more and more. And of course, you you want to target. But in my lifetime, will it be majority ethnic minority? I would say I can't. I can't see it happening. No. Um, I agree with Shauna there. I just think it sounds stupid, but if we're coached and like the higher people above us, so the RFU, if there's a minority in there, then how are we meant to get a majority on the pitch? Because it sounds stupid, but our team literally comes from them. So if they don't see it as a problem, then we're never going to find a solution quite sad that like as I was saying the question I was like no I don't actually see this happening and like that just me being negative but I think it is true realistically where we are at the moment it probably isn't going to happen in our life but hopefully one day yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's negative it like you said it it is being realistic but there's no reason why like it couldn't be challenged in terms of it we get to I don't know 15 years time and it, it does happen and it's not going to be like, oh, damn, I was wrong. Damn you. <laughs> damn you for proving me wrong and being majority black team. Like, it's, it's a, it will be a huge celebration. It's just, in terms of a question, I don't, I don't think so. But there's no reason why someone like myself or someone like Taish, like, I want it, I would love, I would love it to happen. It would make my life a lot easier as well. And I would push for it to happen and I would do all I can in my power in terms of educating people, showing off the game of rugby showing how inclusive it is like rugby is a fantastic game and i i love it not just because i love smashing into people but we need so many different types of people to play rugby we need different mindsets we need different physical body types we need different skill sets like we need so many different people to play rugby and the more people almost regardless of skin color the more people who play the better quality of rugby we will have in this country so I, I would love it to happen and I I'm doing all I can in my power to try and encourage it to happen but yeah in terms of a question I, I don't I don't think it will happen <laughs> but I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and do my bit in your wildest dreams where do you see the game of rugby in 10 years Tash? um so in 10 years I expect equal pay for men's and women's not just rugby, but like all sports in general, because it sounds stupid, but sometimes people say, oh, the men are so much better than the women. But then if you narrow it down, they literally get paid to train and they don't have to worry about anything else. Like with women, we have to do a side job. Even when you get paid for England, depending on which pay you get, obviously you might still need a top up. And then it's also hard to focus solely on your rugby career when, like, for me, I've got to be uni all the time. And then I've got to go rugby training. Some other people, like, might have to look after the brothers or the sisters and stuff. It's just a bit sad, really. And then I also think, in my wildest dreams, I'd love for the game to just be, like, international. 
So every single country's got a team. And I think I want it to be diverse. And a majority black team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Say it with your chest. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be the equal opportunity. So as Taish mentioned, her growing up playing rugby as a child, although she, she was there training, she didn't always have the opportunity to play. So people look at the senior women's game and look at the senior men's game and the difference in levels is, is huge. And they'll say, our oh, women are not very good at rugby. I shouldn't watch rugby. When actually, sometimes you, you might be right at the quality age of five. You've been able to train once or twice a week, every week. You've been able to play every Saturday or Sunday. You've always had numbers. You've always trained in a group of 10 or 15 plus. Like how many training sessions have you been where you're, there's that like two of you? Like how many training sessions have you been where there's not been enough balls or enough cones or enough kit because this gone to the girls? Like, you know, the girls are sacrificed. So, so when we train sometimes and, and even at grassroots level, it will be at that pitch, the nice pitch, that's for the men to train on. The girls, you have to go around the back where the muggy pitches are, where you can't really see because the, the spotlights are on, on the main pitch. So it's just that equal opportunity and recognising that, yes, there is a, there is a, a skill difference and a, sometimes a quality difference in a men and women's game, but that's because you've not, we've not been given the opportunity in the first place so it'd be the equal opportunities from grassroots right up to growing and even now like we're still we're not equal to the men we're not equal to the men how we're treated at, at England we're not equal to the men how we're treated at club and sometimes I get it because it's the men that make the money and the men's game that sort of funds our game so so there is justification and sort of a commercial sense behind it where yes sometimes the, a lot of the times the men have to come first but you know you, you, sometimes you think would the men put up with this treatment like, would the men put up with this standard of hotel? Would the men put up with this standard of food? Unsure. Like, I'm not a man, so I don't know, but it's just, like, unsure. So it would be the equal opportunity right right from growing up and all the way through. And where do you see yourself in 10 years, in your wildest dreams? So anything can happen. And I think I'd love to have won a World Cup. I'll take that off my bucket list. <laughs> and you, you will. Anything else, Tosh? <laughs> and then I think just being um, an inspiration to like a black female who I, th I hope in the future will be a professional athlete that people look up to. And I'm just there as a role model to educate people as well, like Shauna does. <laughs> so basically, you want to be like me in 10 years. I'll take that. That's, that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard <laughs> um, and to be fair I've pretty much got 10 years on you anyway so <laughs> I am old uh, for me in 10 years my goodness I'll you've been retired then <laughs> I'll be long retired by everybody there's no worries about that where do I see myself in 10 years I have no idea I don't even know where I'll be next year just on an adventure somewhere having fun Maybe, maybe settled with a child. Who knows? But if it doesn't happen, I'll find something else to do. Whatever I'll be doing, I'll, I'll be busy and I'll be happy. That's, that's my 10-year plan. Be busy, be active, be happy. 
the love asking that question because it's ridiculous and it's like <laughs> you never know and i always think i'm gonna be oprah in 10 years probably won't be but it's fine it's like, it's like no, I, I struggle with even signing up to a two-year phone contract i'm like it's not gonna be for two years and then they've started introducing three-year ones we have a laugh what piece of advice would you give to a young black girl who is thinking about getting into a sport and wants to be the next Taish Harper or next Shauna Brown? Good luck. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard work. Um, advice. I, I would say don't, don't be afraid of being your only type of person out there. Don't be afraid to be the only black girl on the team. Don't be afraid to be the black girl that speaks up. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Um, and I think that's easier said than done because you, you kind of, sometimes you do have to mold a little bit to an environment, but I think that's emotional intelligence anyway that everyone should learn. But yeah, I, the main thing would be for me, go out there and do it. Don't, don't feel you need, you need to look at someone like Tash or myself to be like, yeah, I can do that actually you want to go and play ice hockey you're not going to catch me playing ice hockey it's too cold but if you want to go and play ice hockey like go and do it if you want to slide down a mountain on a tea tray but lose your skeleton go and do it if you want to play chess like it's not just about sport as well if you're the most intelligent one in your class don't be ashamed of it because i used to get called a boffin and a neek at school and i'm like oh you're just jealous i'm smarter than you it is it is hard work um sometimes being a standout but it it'll be worth it in the end um my piece of advice would be challenge yourself to be brave so put yourself outside your comfort zone in any situation so on the pitch off the pitch getting into any sport academics whatever it is you want to do just do it yeah sounds stupid you only once you guys have really like inspired me <laughs> I like feel really like enlightened and I'm just I'm not gonna lie I did think I was gonna freak out the entire time to be like oh my god oh my god you play for England now I'm just like scream I've kept my cool and I'm like <laughs> you guys are amazing and I think you both obviously it must feel like a lot on your shoulders but I think you both don't understand how much it means for like little girls of colour and women of colour as well to see you guys on that stage so thank you so much for just being you um, so thank you so much for listening and thank you Shauna and Taish for this conversation because it's been really lovely, really insightful. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for letting us share our experiences. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out our Instagram at Black Girls Rock and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.